grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Temperatures may be dropping, but it's always red hot here on Newcastle Live Radio every Thursday night. And tonight's show absolutely delivers in spades. Sex, as they say, can be a little messy at times. And tonight, we mean that quite literally, as Jasmine from Conscious Sexuality educates us all on the phenomenon that is female ejaculation. We hit your sweet spot with our chat with Bianca on the world of sugar babies and sugar daddies. And we hit the couch for our weekly drag sex therapy session with the fabulous Timberlina. June is Pride Month and tonight we unpack the third instalment of our feature series Transition, which chronicles the story of Sebi and how she discovered her true self. As always, I encourage you to snuggle up, sip a wine, and let the sensual, the controversial, and the outrageous wash over you. Are you ready to go? Let's dive in. This is Lipstick After Dark. Want to unlock your pleasure? Jasmine invites you to push past your limiting beliefs around sex and love. It's Conscious Sexuality. It's time for one of my favourite segments on Lipstick After Dark as we welcome back the wonderful Jasmine from Conscious Sexuality. How are you tonight, my love? I'm doing very well, thank you, and I'm excited for tonight's topic. Yes, it's a big one. So tonight we're going to be talking about something that in polite conversation I guess doesn't come up a lot, which is female ejaculation. Uh In your line of work, Jasmine, I'm sure that you've come across this and the curiosity around it a lot. Yeah. So can you explain to us what female ejaculation is? Because I'm sure some people listening will never have heard of it before. And some people, I guess, have seen it on porn or, you know, experienced it in real life. And there's a little bit of confusion around what it actually is, how it happens and how we uh, get information around that. Yeah, absolutely. So female ejaculation, which also is often coined as squirting. Yes. Um, and so one of the biggest questions that comes out of this topic is is the debate, is it pee or is it not? Yes. And it's it's actually, it's it's a couple of things. So when you do ejaculate or you squirt as a, a female, um, it comes out of the urethral area yep. um, and it's, it is a little bit of pee but it's actually uh, mostly just a lot of this excess fluid um, that is inside our body right? and so whilst it does come out of our urethra it's not actually pee it's just this excess fluid that when we I guess relax enough or we hit the right spot or somebody else hits the right spot our body just lets go and this excess fluid that we have inside of us just comes out. And so rather than coming out through the vaginal canal, it actually comes out via our urethra. Okay, I get it. So I always thought that there were two camps. There were girls that could and there were girls who couldn't. Yeah. And 
I'm learning that that might not be the case. So there are certain circumstances that will cause that female ejaculation to happen uh, more than others, aren't there? And I think you touched on a couple of those points just before. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Because, because I think because there is such a mystery around female ejaculation, it's actually like, it, feel, it can feel a little bit scary. Yep. And so you do have to relax enough to be able to let your body go. It's kind of like if you were wanting to go to the bathroom and you needed to go and pee, you have to let go and allow that to happen. Um, and so that's similarly what happens when women do ejaculate. You have to be able to relax enough to let go. And I think because there's so much mystery and fear that maybe it is pee, we don't relax enough right. to just let go and allow the um, squirting to happen. And for me, in my own personal experience, and even a couple of women that I've spoken to, the first time that they and I have ever squirted is when we've been alone. So we've been self-pleasuring alone because... In my mind, I was like, well, if it is pee, there's no one around here to see it. So yep. that's okay. Like, I can handle that. But it might be too embarrassing to do it the first time with a partner, um, you know, especially if you, when you're so worried that maybe it is pee. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes, and I, I guess what you're basically saying is, is that you need to be able to be really in touch with your body and feel safe in your environment for it to occur, I guess. Yeah, that's honestly 100% what needs to happen. It happens differently for, for different, like for everyone. There's no sort of magic one trick that will cause a woman to ejaculate. There is some women ejaculate through clitoral stimulation. Some ejaculate through the G-spot stimulation. It really just depends on you and your body, which is also why self-pleasure becomes so important because it, that's a great opportunity, opportunity for a woman to be able to work out what it is that really makes them relax and let go to get to that point of ejaculation. Right. And I guess you could go through uh, a fair amount of your, your sexual life and not being in the space where you felt safe enough and then boom, one day it just happens. Absolutely. Ooh. 100%. Like for me, I'm not really sure how other people explain how they feel when they're about to squirt. But for me, it very much feels like I'm going to pee. Right. Um, and that's, and for me, a long time, for a very long time, I held that back because I was like, I'm not going to pee. Like, I'm having <laughs> sex right now as if I'm going to do that um, until one day that I just was like, okay, fine, let's just see what happens. And because I let go and just allowed my body to move through the motions to climax, to ejaculate, then it happened. Um, and so it is like... I know it can be frustrating for women when you hear more people say, well, all you have to do is really just be able to relax and let go. For squirting, it really is that. It really is being able to be in the right environment where you're able to fully relax and then you're able to fully just let go and let your body do what it needs to do to bring you great pleasure. Right. Yeah, well, I guess that there is... 
with males, I guess there is a, a it's a bit of a feather in your cap if you can uh, make that happen. Mm-hmm. I have heard boys talk about that, uh, but it, I guess it really is a, a feather in their cap in terms of being able to create the environment where we feel uh, safe and supported enough to be able to let go to that extent. Yeah, that's right, exactly. It might not be necessarily about how good they are at, you know, stimulating, but can um, a woman feel safe enough in their presence to be able to really let go and just let whatever happens to happen? I love it. And how does it, I mean, we have seen it in porn and, you know, I guess that that... uh, there isn't a, really a situation where you can do it on demand, I'm guessing, uh, unless you trade in it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I sort of, you know, have seen that, uh, been shown that and thought, oh, like how do you actually – how does it come about that you train yourself to be able to do that? But it sort of seems like in real practice that it is like a beautiful release when it does occur. Yeah, that's right. And look, like whilst porn does have it have its place, there are plenty of unrealistic things about porn. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I guess that sometimes we can very much forget about porn is these people are actors. Mm. Um, and I guess similar to maybe a movie where you maybe see a gunshot and blood. We know it's not actually real blood. They've put like a, a, a bag of red dye so that it it shows that it's blood. I'm sure that possibly in porn as well that they're they're doing something to make it look like that the person is squirting, but it might not necessarily be actual um, ejaculation that's going on, but it's purely just for the show of of the um, porn. Yeah, I agree with you. Sorry to burst your bubble, boys, but it yeah. might not be a hundred percent accurate what you're seeing on the screen. <laughs> and so I think, like, yeah, take porn with a grain of salt, but like, real life experiences are very different. Um, and if I mean, if you're a woman who can squirt on demand, amazing. That's great. I mean, that's how your body is. But our bodies are so different, and they all react so differently in every single situation that. I don't think, I think for something especially like this, there's just really not that like one way to achieve it. And then every time is just fantastic. It's just, I don't know, it's one of those bonus things as part of sex. Mm. And if it happens, that's amazing. But I don't, I don't think it needs to be the goal every single time. Yeah, I love that. Just let it go and see where the journey takes you. That's always a beautiful thing in sex, isn't it? Yeah, and I think on a, just a, I guess like another note in, in regards to female ejaculation or, or squirting, however you want to coin it, um, it is messy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is very messy. And so <laughs> I, I want to just suggest to the listeners, get yourself a few towels or even a really good quality mattress protector. But for me, that's not enough. I've done the towel thing before and I've had to strip the entire bed and... And that's just not what you want to do after you have an amazing night of sex. <laughs> Definitely not, and particularly with the temperatures the way it is. I mean, we were talking before we went on air about how we both hate winter. That would not be good. No, exactly. So so I, I don't know if anyone knows that this exists, but there's this great invention, and it's, it's coined as like a squirt blanket, but Rosie Rees, she's a very um, well-known Australian sex educator, and she has an online store called the Yoni Pleasure Palace. Ooh. And she sells these amazing things called a squirt blanket. Oh, 
I love and, it. And uh, it's it's this beautiful, cosy um, square blanket, and uh, it's got some things on the inside to help it be waterproof. And so it makes sex less messy on the bed, and it means you can just bundle it up and chuck it in the washing machine when you're done, and then you can crawl into bed and not have to change the sheets. <laughs> I love it, but I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about how she uh, would have got some very strange looks patenting that product. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, I reckon get your hands on that because I mean, for me personally, that's been a massive lifesaver because. It just makes things so much easier. Um, it even can can be used when you're bleeding. Right. You know, you can pop it down on the bed as well, so you don't leak on the um, on the sheets and all that sort of stuff too. Uh, it's got plenty of of multiple uses for it. So I recommend um, getting that. And I am an affiliate of of Yoni Pleasure Palace. So if people want to go through my Instagram link, you can purchase through me or you can just go straight to the website and and find it. Oh, I love it. Jasmine, thank you. Once again, such an educational chat. I love exploring the outer limits of pleasure and sexuality with you on Lipstick After Dark. Thank you again, my friend. My pleasure. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark, right here on Newcastle Live Radio. Until recently, I thought the term sugaring was an exotic hair removal technique. But if there's one thing this show provides for this host, it's certainly an education. The sugar daddy and sugar baby industry is alive and well in Australia, with young women entering into arrangements to fund their lifestyles. Some enter into a contract with a much older man to fund their education and pay bills, while others enjoy the perks of disposable income to pamper themselves, gifts, trips and lavish restaurants. Seeking Arrangement, the largest sugaring site in the world, currently has a staggering 700,000 Australian registered users and flagged the University of Newcastle as number two on the list of fastest growing sign-ups. So what's it all about? Today we chat with Bianca, a local sugar baby, about her experiences with the sugar game. Bianca, welcome to Lipstick After Dark. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. That is not a problem at all. Thank you so very much for having me. Right. So I'm really interested to hear about your journey and hear about how you actually came to be a sugar baby. So in discussions off air, we were having a little chat and you said that this is something that you have been doing for around nine months to a year. What was the decision that you made to look into sugaring? Yeah, so basically the way I look at sugaring, obviously it's different for everyone. Um, But the way that I look at it is, you know, there are people out there with the means and, you know, the financial means to support you. Um, Whether that be, you know, if you're supported for like education purposes or just like a treat for yourself, it kind of just depends where you fall in that bracket. But for me personally, it's not like, you know, I'm doing it for a specific need. I actually quite enjoy it. And I've always been quite open to, you know, the sex industry and sex working and things like that. So for me personally, it's more of a, of a personal choice of something that I think would be fun and exciting to do. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, how I got into it. Right. So there are a, a few ways that people can 
approach sugaring and one of which is a, is a dedicated site. There are dedicated sites out there yeah, where sugar sugar babies and sugar daddies can put up their profiles and yep. the understanding is that it would be uh, a sugaring arrangement. Now, yep. talk to me about the arrangements. How does that actually work? So, basically, like, it really just depends on your, like, your particular rela- relationship at the time with the client. So, obviously, when you go into these arrangements, it is... In, in, in like in overall context, it is pretty much like a business transaction. So there is a you know a good that you are providing and they're getting paid for. So in terms of getting involved and things like that, it's very known to both parties that that's what it's going to be. And um, when you go into these things, it's very specific. So some people you know they'll actually spend physical time. Some people it's online, especially with COVID these days. A lot of the time it's just going to be, you know, hanging out, going to dinner. If it leads to more, it leads to more. Um, It really just comes down to everyone's particular arrangement at the time. Right. So it is a little bit different to sex work in that it is an arrangement between two people and there is... I guess, an intellectual connection that needs to be yeah. there. It's not just about the sex act. Uh, so that differs a little bit to the mm-hmm. dynamic in a sex work situation, I would think. So tell me a little bit about your arrangement. So you have a sugar daddy that you found. Did you find him through the site, through the dedicated site? No, so um, like seeking arrangement is probably like the most common use, commonly used one. Sure. Um, this particular one that I'm, um, I have an arrangement with at the moment, I actually found him on Tinder. So, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit iffy in terms of like safety and things like that because of the fact that these sites are made specifically for like these arrangements. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you go about it in a particular way and you, you know, you get to know kind of, I guess you can navigate this world a little bit better you do get to learn how to do that um, in a safe way. So, you know, I don't just choose a partner willy-nilly. Like, I will have discussions with them. We will kind of, you know, put it all out on the table, what we want, what we expect, what we're willing to offer. And um, basically, you just come to an arrangement that way. But um, for me personally, um, I met this gentleman on Tinder. Um, and, yeah, it just it really just depends. There are so many ways that you can find a partner. Um considering how many sites there are and how many, you know, social media and things like that, it's so, so easy to find one. It's just a matter of finding one that's going to work for you. Right. With some of the arrangements, do the gentlemen expect exclusivity? Uh, That's something that you really have to lay out on the table before you start the arrangement. I find that for myself, it's so much easier to have a very open and honest um, conversation before you start because that kind of does have a bit of a blurred line. If you start an arrangement without kind of your your lines drawn or your boundaries kind of made very clear from the beginning, things can get a bit wishy-washy. Um, especially in terms of, you know, what they expect and what you're willing to give them. Um, But making sure you set those boundaries early on can really, really make that a little bit clearer as you're going through into your relationship. Sure. So with your current uh, arrangement, you Mm -hmm. are paid an allowance by your sugar daddy, right? And you... Uh, use that on yourself so it's a little bit of a luxury spend do you mind if I ask you it is a very personal question but do you mind if I ask you what that looks like in terms of monetary rewards each month and I guess it would vary from sugar daddy to sugar daddy yeah it it, it 
does. So, look, I'm not going to go into exact figures, but I can say that it is like having a part-time job. Right. So, you know, it's not like, you know, an exuberant amount of money, especially because at the moment, um, myself personally, I'm only doing online considering COVID. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's not to say some girls make uh, a whole bunch of money from, you know, weekly allowances, monthly allowances, gifts. Um, a lot of the time, sugar daddies will, like, reward you for certain things or um, if you go out on a date, they'll bring you a present or, you know, it really just depends kind of where you fall um, in terms of your arrangement because, you know, some people can obviously afford more and some people can afford less. Um, but for myself personally, it's more so like treating myself, you know, if I want to get my nails done or my hair done or something like that, you know, it's not a problem because it's like having an extra part-time job for me. Sure. So it's a disposable income that you can really use to pamper yeah, yourself, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's not to say like there are some women out there and, and also it's not just, you know, girls, boys do this as well. There are sugar mummies as well. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that some people do this just, you know, to have the expendable money. Some people are doing this to get them through uni or to get them through, you know, a rough time. Um, in my personal opinion, I find it to be a bit of an empowerment thing because of the fact that, you know, it is basically, in a way, working for myself whilst doing something that I enjoy. So right. that's kind of where, where, yeah, where it comes down to for me. Okay. Now, with your sugar daddy, obviously, there is a fair bit of contact. Do mm-hmm. feelings come into it? Um, so look, for me personally, they don't. Um, I'm quite able to compartmentalise. Like, it is a business transaction in a way, but at the same time, you do spend quite a lot of time talking to them or being on the phone with them or FaceTiming them. So, you know, it can definitely lead somewhere and I find the majority of the time it will lead somewhere for the sugar daddy um, unless they are, you know, on the same page as you. You do have to be quite careful with that because obviously you don't want uh, feelings to get in the way of the arrangement. Um, For some people, they do um, start relationships with their sugar daddies and they're like, you know, prospective sugar babies. But um, for me personally, feelings, I try to keep them out because it is in you know, in all in all, a business transaction. Yeah, understand that. And would you, is this something that you're enjoying and something that you'd look at expanding? Most definitely. I find that for me, um, it is something that I really do enjoy. Um, Like I said earlier, I don't really have any qualms with sex work or the sex industry. I actually quite um, like the fact that it gives women, especially these days, a whole lot of freedom, considering all, you know, OnlyFans and things like that. It is a way for you to make your own money if you work hard at it and you really want to do it. Um, and in terms of sugaring, like, most definitely, I would love to expand. It does become a little bit difficult, though, when you do, you know, throw in work and family and everything like that. It does make it hard because you do need to give them adequate time and adequate, you know, response because they are paying you for a service. So when you expand, you, you, it's easy to do. It's just a matter of doing it effectively and not kind of, you know, falling short on other parts of life. Sure. And I would assume that those arrangements are fairly compartmentalised. It's not like you're going to take your sugar daddy to the family barbecue, I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, but like I said, some people do actually start like full-on relationships yes. um, with, their, with their prospective partners. But for me personally, it is very compartmentalised. I don't kind of mix, I guess you could say, business with pleasure, I guess. Um, just because it does kind of blur those lines. And when you start these arrangements, there is an understanding, a mutual understanding between both parties. Um, and very, very, you know, very rarely does that ever turn into more. Right. 
Now, if there was someone that was looking at sugaring, I know that I have friends that have considered this or uh, looked at this in the past. What advice would you give to any prospective sugar baby that was looking at starting out? Yes, so probably the number one thing I would suggest is really kind of do your homework before you get started. Um, For some people, they kind of go into sugaring thinking, oh, it's, you know, just a way to make some money, like it's going to be great. Um, But, you know, there are the downsides to it as well. You do have, you know, your clients that turn into like, you know, they really like you or it's just a little bit too overwhelming. Um, So for girls who are looking at starting out, definitely doing your homework and making sure that you know, like how to be safe, you know, techniques on, um, you know, techniques on all sorts of things. So when you're speaking to a client, you kind of know what to look out for. You can kind of tell if they're being legit or if they're, you know, just kind of wasting your time. Um, But it's definitely a safety thing that I would really, really, you know, let girls know about. Um, because obviously at the end of the day, your safety is the most important thing and you don't want to risk that just um, for the idea or the illusion of being a sugar baby. Right. I love it. That's sound advice, Bianca. And I really thank you for your candour on tonight's show. It has been a pleasure to chat with you and I really appreciate you being so transparent with this. And happy sugaring. And I do hope that you <laughs> that you you do expand and reach your goals where that's concerned. Awesome. Thank you so much. I've had the best time. <laughs> that was Bianca. You're listening to Lipstick After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark, right here on Newcastle Live Radio. June is Pride Month and we are pleased to welcome back the gorgeous Sebi, who has been bravely sharing her story on her transition journey. In the last two weeks, we've heard about Sebi growing up and how she came to realise that she was indeed trans. Mm. Welcome back to Lipstick After Dark, Sebi. Thanks for having me. This is my favourite part. I love the after dark. Yes. I love the vibes. I know. Yeah. And you don't have to censor as much, which is always good for you. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we got up to talking about how you had watched this particular show pose and Mm -hmm. it had really brought home that that is who I am who you are yeah so what happens after that so you've had this realization yeah what happens next well what happened from there was I realized that I couldn't just keep this realization inside I had to tell people right and I immediately I think the next day I think I'd already kind of spoken to my sister about it, but I fully like had confirmed it with her, and she was like, "Yeah, bro, I know. Like, we've been <laughs> we done been new. Like, it, this is old news." And then um, I spoke to my parents about it that day. I remember, and okay. um, things um, weren't perfect at first, but that's my. I have very loving and supporting parents. I'm very lucky, but um, I mean, it's that's a huge thing. It's a, it huge, is a thing huge thing to thing. open up to your parents about, and for them to take in and. Um, I mean, they've spent uh, 19 years of my life thinking of me as one way for me to just be like, LOL, but no, um, and switch it on them. So, I mean, I spoke to them. I then started researching. There's a lot of great um, resources online um, for trans kids or anyone really that is queer in the community that's questioning who they are or what what they may be. And I, I heard this really interesting thing 
um, recently that I don't I don't remember who said it, so I feel bad for quoting it without saying who said it. But it was um, kids can't be what they cannot see, um, and so um, that that was really interesting to me, and I think that's why I really did struggle to find myself for a long time because. I didn't really have that representation out there, but now, now I have. And so I was, um, I was watching shows. I was watching documentaries. This is a wonderful documentary on um, Netflix called Disclosure, which is um, by trans people, for trans people, and for cis people about um, being trans in um, the industry because I am an actress and um, I play make-believe for a living. Yes. Um, not always much living, but there is money I get from that. And then <laughs> um, basically, yeah, I just started researching and um, I researched the medical aspects, um, which right. is something that a lot of people do focus on. Um, I think when it comes to uh, being trans, a lot of people immediately think about surgeries and they yes. kind of like forget that there's a whole life beyond that and there's a whole more to that. You know what I mean? But so the psychology of it yeah, and exactly. how you're feeling about it and mm-hmm. all of that sort yes. of thing. Yeah. Um, so I read up um, uh, about medically transitioning via um, hormones. So um, I found out about HRT and that's hormone replacement therapy. Right. And as soon as I started reading about it and I watched these videos of these girls online, these trans girls who have um, under... uh, undertook uh, HRT or like we're six months in a year in whatever they do little updates a lot of um, a lot of trans girls out there do updates on like what it's like and I was like okay that like every single insecurity I had about my body um, and the way I think and the way I feel pleasure um, and whatever would be fixed if I start well hopefully be completely fixed um, if I start hormones so I, I remember I immediately started speaking to my my um, mother about it and she was like this is very quick and I said well it's not because it takes a very long time to get on these hormones so by the time that I might even be there I might have changed my mind that's fine I can like just not go to my appointment or I'll be so 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 ready and I've been waiting for so long that it just will feel incredible and that's kind of that's what that's what happened right yeah. so there is a whole process that you need to go through to medically Ooh, transition huge process yeah yeah so you got on to that process yes fairly yeah. quickly after having this realization oh uh, no actually it took me about a year okay yeah it took me um about a year to I mean I the problem is we don't have many facilities for trans people um, and so waiting lists are ridiculously long. And right. the, the issue is these these hormones can be life-saving for a lot of trans people out there but there's no access to them. And a lot of – and I mean like – Especially if you're under the age of um, 18, it's even more difficult and the court is involved and it's a whole process. And, right. Um, I'm not going to further go into that because um, it's it's a huge debate and people do struggle with the idea of trans kids and stuff. But, I mean, people don't start taking hormones until hormones start hitting you as a teenager anyway. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's not like kids are doing it, – it, it's not possible and um, it's not – recommended and it's not smart and it's not what happens and I think people get blind to that um, aspect of it sure but um, um, so yeah I, I started on blockers um, so ba- basically blockers. but you had to go through like a psychological assessment didn't you so you ha- 
You um, have- no, thank God I didn't. Right. But I think if you're under 18, that is something that you must undergo. Right. For me, because I was over the age of 18, I'm an adult. I can make my own decisions. If this was the wrong decision for me, that's my bad. You know, that like that I didn't, thank God. But um, because, I mean... It's very interesting that someone gets to tell you if you are what you say you are. I think that's a very interesting um, thing. I mean, I understand when kids are a lot younger, if um, parents want to be sure, and that I, I totally understand that. But if I'm over the age of 18, I, I, I mean, I know who I am and I know what I want. So Sure. Yeah, so I um, started Blockers. I was on Blockers. They um, basically pushed down my testosterone to a lower um, percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on them for about two months. Um, and then um, I ca- I, I'm continuing to be on them, but I started hormones, um, estrogen. I don't know the actual name of the pills I take. I'm sorry. I f- I f- estri- estradiol? estradiol, I believe. Um, ew, that was really Aussie and gross. But um, yeah, so I started that about two months after. And now I take... Um, three pills a day in any depressant, <laughs> a blocker, and an um, and an estrogen tablet. And and how are you feeling? Um, well, the first day, um, I felt very ill. But that right. I guess my hormones were completely rewriting themselves. Um, so that was kind of a clear like that was gonna happen. But um, since then, I felt so like I've never felt more me. Although, here's something. I'll explain some of the side effects of sure. estrogen because I think that's interesting. Yep. Um, one of them is the fact that when you are, when I was, um, say, male and I had a male brain, I experienced emotion to say, I mean, this isn't like, this isn't science. I'm just trying to make it make sense um, so I can explain it. Say 50%. I experienced emotion to 50%. And there's a whole other... Actually, I'd say 100%, right? The, and then from there on is what a female brain would experience and that there's more, like, levels in the emotion. I don't know how to explain it, but, like, it's like there's the doors for man. <laughs> there's the door happy, sad, angry, hungry, horny. Sure. With women, those doors, you open them, 30 other doors in each one. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm extremely emotional. You can drop a penny in front of me. I cry. <laughs> I um, don't – I'm struggling to work out how to deal with that. Um, I, I um, find myself getting agitated by men a lot more. Maybe that's just because I am not one now, but yep. also men are agitating. At least to me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> this is news. Yeah, well, it's news to me. I was one. I didn't know. I looked in the mirror and I was like, yeah, you're great. And now I look in the mirror and I'm like, wait, that doesn't even make any sense. Now I look in the mirror and I see a pretty little girl. And then plays, um, is, yeah, and yeah. men are annoying. Men are annoying. That's, that was the, what I was trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so basically the whole way you think and experience emotion changes um, your eyesight can change, which is interesting. Mine wow. hasn't, but that is a, a side effect. Um, you grow um, breast tissue, and so I am growing little titties at the moment. They're, 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 they're coming out. They're coming strong. They're actually growing quite fast. I have a very high estrogen count already, so I was growing them on blockers, and that's very rare. Right. But um, 
pre-estrogen I was already growing my titties they hurt like a bitch yeah um I, welcome to our world yeah, yeah I'm like a 12 year old basically what I basically I'm just a 12 year old girl at the moment yeah well you're lucky you're not in a schoolyard and someone pegs a tennis ball at you because oh bro ow the yeah, pain it's horrible yeah I, I'm in pain every time someone hugs me yep and I'm a hugger yeah I know I just have to breathe through it yeah you do you know <laughs> Next week, to round out Pride Month, we will be hearing the last of Sevi's story and where to from here. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. I'm so happy that you let me share my story. It is an absolute honour to hear it. Oh, that was Sevi. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> next week on Lipstick After Dark with the final instalment of Transition. Dun, dun, dun. Want some love and sex advice? Searching for the answer to your complex, confusing or downright awkward questions. The queen of the Newcastle drag scene is in the building. It's time for In Bed with Timberlina on After Dark. It's time for what I consider to be the best advice section in Newcastle. I know it's a big claim, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right. We have the fabulous queen of Newcastle drag, Timberlina, back in the studio. Hello. Hello, hello. (laughs) I'm back. Yes, you are in all of your fabulousness. Now, got some uh, wide and varied questions today. So let's dive straight in. Okay. Okay. Dear Timberlina, my ex of four years, we broke up a year ago, gave me herpes. Uh, I've been seeing other guys, but I never know how to bring it up. So I tend to avoid the subject and use protection. I'm in a new city, Newcastle, and I want to have some fun. So should I tell every guy I sleep with or only the ones I'm serious about? Oh, tricky. Mm. I mean... Oh, this is, I, well, I'm a very honest person, so I would tell them. Yes. Um, very honest person. I would definitely tell them. But, like, I guess it depends how confident you are, really. But, like, I mean, tell them. Yeah. Very much tell them. I just feel like herpes doesn't really distinguish between serious and not serious relationships. Yeah. I think it it doesn't really discriminate. No, it does not. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. a hookup is for a night, but herpes is forever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Herpes is forever. <laughs> So, I mean, not that we're making light of this serious, you know, sexually transmitted disease, but look, I, particularly if you're having an outbreak, I would say either don't go there or be honest and let them make the decision because, yeah, there's no taking that shit back, is there? Not at all. Nope. Yeah. So, girlfriend, you got to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that's that's probably the most sensible. Look at us. We're, you know, killing it already. <laughs> All right, here we go. Dear Timberlina, for my partner's 40th birthday, I'd like to treat him to a threesome, but I'm not sure how to find the right person. I'm thinking an escort, but it might be better to find a natural fit. Any ideas? Ooh. I mean, has he consented to this? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, imagine. I've got you a threesome. I don't want one. Yeah. Oh. I mean, maybe suss that out first um, and see and get consent. And maybe you need to, like, 
do this process together. Yeah. I feel like there needs to be a connection between all three of you, not just like <laughs> two of you, because it yep. can be awkward for the third. Yes. Um, and I feel like there's like Facebook groups out there and... There is. There yeah. is. And I know, you know, some... I've done some interviews on this show and some people find them organically and uh, it's a little bit more common than you'd think, but it is a bit hit and miss. But I can honestly say uh, I'm, I'm all for, uh, you know, thoughtful and unique gifts, but I don't think I've ever heard of a surprise threesome. <laughs> if I was in a relationship, right, and someone was like, surprise, have you your threesome? I'd be like, oh, I don't want that. Yeah. So I feel like you need to, one, work out, like, where their head is about this and then explore it together. I think it's something you need to explore together before you're like, whoa, here you go. Yeah, it's not like soap on a rope that you can put at the back of the cupboard if you don't like it, is yeah, it? No. <laughs> All you're going to do is awkwardly walk out of the room and just leave them to, and then it's just like, oh, new thing. Yeah. Yep. Look, I think you should maybe think about some aftershave or, uh, you know, a new, nice dinner. Yeah, some new jocks. <laughs> Or maybe just start bringing in some, like, sex toys even. Yeah, I really feel that you need to do a little bit more research on this. It's, yeah. it's a big call, girlfriend. Yeah. It's a big call. Very big. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Oh. Oh. Oh, I don't mm. like the sound of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dear Timberlina, what is the best way to convince a girl who's scared to do anal to give it a try? Oh, you can't convince anybody. No. 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 I feel that there's a physical response to not wanting to go there. And if you try and do it, they're probably just going to gecko up the wall, as I like to say. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) You know how geckos just run up the wall, like, in shock? Oh, yes. (laughs) So the girl's going to probably do that as well. So (laughs) don't do that. But I have this conversation with my girlfriends all the time, and it's just like, would you do anal? And they're like, no, not into that. And then some of my friends are like, yeah, we love it. So I think, like, there's just people out there that love it or hate it. And, like, you can't really just be like, let's do anal. Or maybe you need to experience with, like, some toys and bring that again into the whole mix of things. Yeah. But you really need, like, anal, you need trust. Yes. You need a lot of lube. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you need to be relaxed. So, yeah, yeah if she's if she's scared, uh, then uh, and making like a gecko, yeah. um, maybe you should lay off that particular thing on the menu for a little while. Yeah, what do you think? Or maybe let her try it on you first. Yeah, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, Mark, <laughs> <laughs> you try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's, yeah, let's do that. I think that that's a great solution. So, uh, Mark, in answer to your question, when you go there, she might be a little more open. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> Good luck. Get the right lube. Yeah. <laughs> okay, final question. Ah, mm. Dear Timberlina, I'm in a committed heterosexual relationship and I had a dream about having sex with another woman. Does this mean I'm gay or bisexual? Do you recommend giving it a whirl to make sure? Oh, I feel like everyone's a little bit curious in their life. Sure. Like, I feel like everyone's a little bit curious. I wouldn't label yourself. Labels are for food. Um, (laughs) Like, if you want to try it, try it. Like... 
Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I probably wouldn't. I think she's she's a little bit freaked out and she's thinking maybe she, she's she's actually gay because she's had one dream <laughs> and is about to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I, I think that's a bit extreme, love. I think, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think you need to do anything drastic. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, like, throw a going, coming out party. Um I think maybe I'd just like you to, you know, take a bit of an inventory of all of the weird dreams that you've had in your lifetime and we don't go down that rabbit hole with all of them, do we? No. Otherwise a lot of people would be murdered if I Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe just like have a think about it, sit on it for a while, come back to it, reassess, and maybe if something happens it happens. But I wouldn't think too much into a dream. No. I think that's that's a little bit. I think we're overthinking there. Yeah, yeah. I think what you actually need is a, is a bath and a wine and to <laughs> wind back your anxiety a little bit. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, you're all good, girl. Yeah. Okay. So busy week as always. Busy week. Busy, busy, busy. Where are we this week? Oh, Friday, I'm at the Swell Magazine 10th issue that I'm hosting. Very excited about I that. I have seen stuff about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and may I just say that, that your photo shoot is divine. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I love that green. Oh, I love it too. It's mm. so good. It's one of my faves. Yeah. Um, so there's tickets still available for that, and it's a secret location till the day, so you don't find out where we are till the day, which is very exciting. And then... Saturday. I'm at Belmont Golf Club. Never performed there before. Right. Yeah, very excited. That's a cute little venue. What are you doing there? I'm doing bingo, my bingo show. Oh, love it. Yep. And then that's it, I believe. Yeah. That's my week. And then Sunday off. Sunday off. And then back to Five Sawyers on Thursday. And then, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, if you would like to catch Timberlina, uh, Belmont Golf Club would be your pick for this week. Correct. Yes. All right. Always a pleasure, my love. Yes, you too. Thank you. That was Timberlina. You're listening to Lipstick After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark, right here on Newcastle Live Radio. Sadly, it's nearly time for me to tuck you in with a lipstick kiss once more. I hope tonight's show has given you plenty of food for thought heading into Friday. May your days be sunny and your nights be hot this weekend. And remember, sex is the most fun you can have indoors, so make winter work to your advantage in the sexiest of ways. I'm Louise Wilkinson, and this has been Lipstick After Dark. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night, only on Newcastle Live Radio. 